love is this like organic limbic system thing that happens in our brain and and music taps into the same brain regions as love does you know there's dopamine there's oxytocin there's like all these things that happen and there's something about how music affects our brain that like allows all of those emotions to be able to crystallize um, in a way that like this, the expression of that is, is so powerful. Welcome my steamy friends. I'm Elle, contemporary romance author, and you are listening to Steam Scenes, the podcast where we talk about the naughty bits. This week's interview was so much fun for me since I got to interview a musician. Here's a little backstory. I'm such a music lover that I joined a business mastermind group, not for authors, but for musicians. And it was the best decision I ever made. Musicians are among the smartest, most business savvy creatives I've ever met. They're always working on the cutting edge of technology, and they're also dealing with a lot of the struggles that happen because of it. Like musicians were grappling with the paltry payouts from steaming platforms way before AudibleGate. Anyway, I met today's guest, Katie Oberly, through this mastermind, and she was like my long lost best friend. During one work session, we got into this really deep discussion about music and sex and love and creativity and writing. And in the middle of it, I was like, oh my God, you need to come on my podcast. So we made it happen. Katie's also a trained therapist, and she understands the things that happen limbically and neurologically when we fall in love. And spoiler alert, Similar things happen when we listen to music or read a romance novel. This was such a deep and extraordinary conversation. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you enjoy it too. Katie Oberly is a Columbus, Ohio-based folk pop singer-songwriter. Singer-songwriter, y'all. Not author, <laughs> singer-songwriter. Katie, who identifies as an extroverted empath and highly sensitive person, has always been fascinated by relationships. See what I'm doing here? You guys getting this? Her professional path led her to become a couples therapist, which in turn has influenced her musical journey. In 2002, she released Shine, an album of 14 original love songs. Oh, not love songs, just songs about love, loss, hope, and connection. See where my brain is today. <laughs> and that was actually 2020. Sorry if that was a typo. And hello. Oh, did I? No, you had it right. What did I say? I think did you I said 2002. 2001? Oh, 2002. Oh, you know, oh my God. You know what? I have been in the time machine all, re- all week. I posted on Instagram. This is total. I'm going to finish your bio. Oh, no, I saw that too. Did you see my. <laughs> You're like, it's coming out in January 2020. I'm like, I know. no, can we not go back to January 2020 for the love? <laughs> I'm like, I invented a time machine. <laughs> Any other year, please. So in 2020, she released Shine, an album of 14 original songs about love, lust, hope, and connection. In September 2021, Katie released Walden, the first single off her upcoming EP, Driftwood. Walden is a beautiful song, by the way, Um, which is scheduled for release in 2022. Katie, I'm so happy you're here. (laughs) Welcome to Steam Scenes. Thanks so much, Elle. It's so um, amazing to be here. And yes, um, for your listeners, they might be like, what is happening? But you and I talked and we are in the same 
like kind of like coaching group um, and you're in my little small group. And so we've just, which is sort of like an accountability group. Um, so we just keep ourselves, you know, on, on task and, and support each other. And like you and I were the only ones on one of those calls a couple weeks ago. And so we just talked for like an hour and we're like, wait a second, we have so much to talk about. And it's just fun to talk to each other. And just, yeah, there was so much crossover from just like being a lyricist and you being an author and us just sort of like finding, yeah. And, and, and me being a couples therapist and you writing about love and romance and all that. So yeah, it just seemed to work, even though it's sort of like, weird like it like it's weird because I only talk like usually it's romance authors but like this just really worked and honestly I've been thinking about how to expand out this podcast anyway um to talk to more than just romance authors because I think like it's really interesting like you know other areas of intimacy that I think we can all learn from for sure and yeah yeah um Although, you know, for me, it's sort of like writing is kind of that first part. And, you know, it's the thing that I do and I understand or like, you know, the novel writing, whereas you write, but it's just a little bit of a different sort of writing, which we'll absolutely, you know, be getting into. And I just want to add, like our mastermind, it's really funny. It's for musicians, um, Mm -hmm. this sort of like mastermind coaching group we're in. It's for for musicians. I am the sole like non-musician group and I so appreciate that you guys put up with me going I have no idea but it sounds really good no well and it's all sort of like I mean we're all artists and creatives and and so there is so much crossover and the coolest thing is that you write these like your your rock star romance series like there's so much music elements in the stuff that you're writing right now which is so fascinating so hopefully it's like the symbiotic relationship it's like you're getting inspired by some of the musicians and like we're getting inspired by by you and like like your journey so it's just been really cool it has been it's been really wild and yeah because of the rock star sort of angle of things I was like oh, I guess I kind of it's okay like I kind of belong here you know like I, totally you belong. I, I, you've been super supportive to me and I've learned a lot from you so it's been great <laughs> I know just enough about music to be dangerous. <laughs> well, um, I feel like so do I, really. <laughs> so, Katie, I'm curious, when when did you realize you wanted to become a musician? I think I've always, like, dreamed about that. I mean, I have always I, – I was far too rational and type mm. A to, like, have gone for it, so to speak, and, like, have that become the – the way that my career went. Um, and so I, but I always knew that I had this love for music and not just listening to it, but just wanting to create it. And just from, I mean, probably late elementary school, like I just was starting to write like lyrics. And then once I gave up piano, cause I was horrible at it and switched to guitar, which I'm not that good at either, but at least I can do better at that. Um, and it's, you know, more mobile. Um, I was able to start accompanying myself, um, learning these different chord patterns and finding that I could put, you know, the lyrics and the melodies that I had in my head to start, sort of start forming songs and it served a really therapeutic purpose in my life too so it was sort of just this like thing that I felt compelled to do and I just was raised on um like I feel like I'm an old soul like I was raised on the movie musicals of like the 40s 50s like the MGM stuff in the rain you know all like good news all those classics and I just have just have loved how music has been able to 
tell stories and move the plot along, right? Or or just become of such a part of these characters' love story and like how they express their love for each other is through like bursting into song. So I'm a musical <laughs> theater nerd and like it's, so it's just it's not weird to me at all that you know like well, it's a beautiful day for falling in love and let's now sing about it, right? And other people just don't get that at all. And that's okay, but that is my bread and butter. And so, yeah, there was a time where I thought, well, maybe like I'll go the musical theater route. I've done some community musical theater stuff, but I knew like I'm, you know, I am not Idina Menzel level here. Like we're not probably going to do, I would be like, you know, chorus girl number 1400 if I went to audition for stuff in New York. It just, I just wasn't going to put myself through that. I, I think my my uh, skin wasn't thick enough to do that and yeah. maybe still isn't. Um, it's, you know, it's rough out there. But, like, I found ways to continue to have it in my life. Like I said, just on a smaller scale, you know, in local productions. And then also just continuing to write music. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I sort of kept tucking that away and bringing it out in different forms, like in – in high school and my senior thesis was uh, an album of original songs. In college, I wrote another album. I just have always felt like I have them in me. Um, And so I think it just took me a while to have the kind of the bandwidth um, logistically, emotionally, you know, just life stage to, to write and, um, and record more because I, you know, we had a growing family. My kids now are eight and 11 and they're just old enough that I can sneak off more and do the things that like, um, are in addition to the the money making things right, <laughs> and the mom responsibilities right. I do and really like follow this passion a bit more. So yeah. So even identifying myself as a musician has been a journey and I really am trying to do that more and more because I'm not like a, like, I'm not great with music theory. I'm not a great guitarist at the same time. Like I don't have to be that all and do that all. And I can still identify as a, as a musician, as a singer songwriter. Um, so I'm trying to embrace that more. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's so funny. It's like that imposter syndrome thing, right? Because like we all get it, especially if we haven't been formally trained, right? Like my formal Mm -hmm. training, through college was sort of like theater where I developed my own major as a playwright at the school that I went to. And then I moved to, on to grad school and I did something completely academic, but it was still tied mm. to performance. Right. Um, you know, but, but then I went into like doing like my day job was doing entertainment publicity and entertainment PR and writing and journalism and that whole thing. But I've never really took a formal novel writing class Hmm. necessarily you know I'm sort of feeling my way around it you know in relying on instinct reading some you know craft Mm -hmm. books obviously Mm -hmm. but it definitely brings out this like that imposter syndrome and I know people who have studied whatever it is that they're doing also feel that too like I don't know I don't know why our brains are, are sort of telling us that we're not this thing when we're doing the thing and it is so clear that we are, you know? Right, right. And, I mean, I, I just think women feel that way more. I, I mean, I really do. I think mm. research even shows that. Just, like, women get that imposter syndrome thing happening more um, because we don't feel – well, and I think also that reminds me of, like, studies that have shown that, like, women won't apply for – a job that they don't think they're like a hundred percent qualified for because it feels like, Oh, well, I'm an imposter. Like if I, you know, if I apply for that job, it's, I don't have all those qualifications, but men don't as often have that same, um, train of thought. They think, right. like, Oh, well, yeah, I have most of these qualifications. I'll just go for it. 
So right. I think that's also something, you know, unfortunately, um, maybe a byproduct of our culture and just the way that we're sort of like, you know, um, gendered and what types yeah. of things women feel like they can do or can't do. So yeah, I think as I get older, I'm trying to like really look that in the face, the imposter syndrome thing and, and really like work that through because I don't want to feel that way anymore. It sucks a lot of life energy out of me. It really does. Like it really does. And I will say like you are a singer songwriter. Like that is exactly, mm -hmm. you have albums out, you do the thing, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you record, you play, you know, like, yeah. yeah, no, you're, you're the, you're, you are a singer songwriter. Well, likewise, it. validation for you. <laughs> <laughs> like here we are. Here we are. Yeah. That's really, that's really I, good. I want to like sort of backtrack a little bit to something you said about, um, you know, musicals which I was like oh yeah yeah the, the the characters express their love by breaking into song right yes. mm -hmm. and I mean I guess they express their heart their heartache they express their oh, anger by every... breaking it like they're right <sighs> but what is it about song that makes that because they're the big emotions that yes. they're expressing through yes. music so what is it about music that sort of mm -hmm. lets allows these big emotions or, or embraces I should say these big emotions mm -hmm. like why does it work yeah, that's a big I, question. I've been thinking about, well, I've been thinking a lot about that as I've, from more of a therapeutic perspective and more okay. of like a neurochemistry perspective too, right? Because, I mean, I'm not a neuroscientist at all, but in the sense of like, what, if I want on TV, what, <laughs> I play one on this podcast. Uh, you know, just enough to be dangerous, like with all these things <laughs> we are talking about. Um, Please, let me cut your skull open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in the sense of like attachment and like emotions and what I deal with as a couples therapist, like love is this like organic limbic system thing that happens in our brain and, and music taps into the same brain regions as oh. love does. You know, there's dopamine, there's oxytocin, there's like all these things that happen and there's something about how music affects our brain that like allows all of those emotions to be able to crystallize um, in a way that like this, the expression of that is, is so powerful. So yeah, and I think that also there's been research to show that like that's why if you can integrate music or like mnemonic devices or things like that into studying like you can retain information better and all these things like music is really, really powerful yeah so there's 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 something about um just the i think the emotional strings that it pulls on that um takes it from the level of talking to just this like it's just this otherworldly leveled up um, experience. Wow. I'm sort of curious. I mean, they probably don't even know yet. Like what is, is it the rhythm? Is it notes? Is it, you know what I mean? Like what, what does release the dopamine response? Right. Do they have any idea? Oh, I'm sure they do. I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, the big they. Yeah. Um, I want to say like Oliver Sacks. Does that sound right? Like he's a, I think he's Maybe. a neuroscientist yeah. who has, um, think that he has a book called like music philia or something although that sounds like a dirty term but um we love dirty terms on <laughs> right well yeah but it's something about um how he took like that more of a brain-based approach to understanding music and like what it does 
like our brains on music, so to speak, right? Um, and similarly, our brains on love or our brains on lust. It's like they're doing Ooh. similar things. Right? Oh, tell me um, about a brain on lust. <laughs> well, I mean, that like people in the first stages of romantic attachment um, have been found to have an increased amount of oxytocin in their system that lasts for about mm. like six months. So this is sort of that like falling in love period, right? And then um, sexual activity also stimulates that release. And it, it oxytocin then its effect actually contributes to this sort of like relaxed, trusting, stable state. And when and when also when you're attracted to somebody, that's again the dopamine is also released. That that's like the feel good chemical. Serotonin increases. And if you've taken an SSRI ever, like if you've been depressed, you want more uh, serotonin um, happening. And so that's all related to like oxytocin too is related to bonding so Mm -hmm. even in the maternal sense again with attachment like that idea of um moms with higher oxytocin tend to have more affectionate parenting behaviors so it's really about this like you know it's it's these survival instincts right around like if you think about it from an evolutionary standpoint like how do these how does it serve us well to fall in love well it helps us feel bonded and then helps us feel bonded to our infants. So we're, you know, we're, we're wanting to procreate because we feel lustful and then we procreate. But like, I mean, of course, as a couples therapist, as a human, I'm aware that, you know, people aren't having sex just to procreate. Like this is the amazing part of being a human is that, um, you know, love and lust and sex and expression are like all these ways that we can connect with each other really deeply. And music is also this great connector. So it's just like, then this is why when we think of what songs are about and what the greatest songs in, you know, that we've ever heard are about, they're about love. They're about, it's like, that's why, you know, they're not about like computers or, you know, like, (laughs) or like, I don't know, other random things. Like they're about this really, really powerful force that we call love. Right. 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 And protest songs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anything that moves our, that that, that we also feel very passionate about and moves our emotional selves to try to, to kind of be compelled to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Compelled to act. Now this is making me wonder because I mean, I'm sure there are definitive studies out there. I just haven't found them. Like, you know, hearing a song will release certain, you know, these certain amazing chemicals that we all want, right? Good dopamine and all of that. I'm sort of wondering if reading a love story, reading a romance book, mm-hmm. reading a steamy scene, um, and and watching these two characters that you're invested in connect um, mm-hmm. would ha- would would have the same release. I imagine it would because you know so many people who love read like they, they love reading romance. Right. Oh, I absolutely think it would. I mean, I can <laughs> if I'm reading like a really good romance novel, like my body is responding to that. Right. Right. I'm feeling it. I'm, you know, I may be feeling it in my heart, but I'm maybe feeling that butterfly feeling. I'm feeling that excited feeling. I'm feeling it down there. Like I'm feeling it. Right. (laughs) And so if it's, you know, because it's, it's in that zone of like, it just hits us in that certain way that this is like, wow, all about attachment and connection. And, um, it's really powerful stuff. Like to read something on a page and have your body respond to that. That's powerful. Do you get that way when you write your songs? I, f- I definitely feel um, 
that sense that that sort of force that comes from beyond me and or front through me or something like sometimes like the songwriting process is very mysterious um for me at least like there are just times where I feel a melody float through the air and I almost like catch it and I you know have my phone with me like all of us probably do more than we should but like I'll take you know I'll go to voice memos and I'll just record that 20 seconds of that melody or sometimes it's just 10 seconds and sometimes it's like like I don't have words yet but most of the time it's like a it's like a phrase and a melody together or like Mm. um the start of a lyric or a line almost like if you would grab your journal and like write down a line like ooh, that's a good line for my character to say like it's sort of that same thing where it's like sometimes that happens you know in the shower as I'm driving or as I'm walking around or um and I can't, and so then I try to just like, you know, get it, get it down if I can. And because some, it's like, Ooh, something happened. Like it's, it's, yeah, it is this sort of like, um, intangible feeling of like, Ooh, yeah, there's something energetic that shifted and this thing came into, um, my field of awareness and it was powerful. I felt something. Um, and this is why like, for me, like lyrics are really, really important. Um, but then to be able to add melody to that and like that is such a that's so cool too. And so that's the difference between reading song lyrics on a page and hearing the song, you mm-hmm. know. But it's so interesting though, as an author, like to just like there's reading some books that don't make you feel much and there's reading really good books that really make you feel so I don't know there is the spectrum of kind of ways that um it hits me um and yeah songwriting is um like I said is unpredictable it's not Mm -hmm. something that I can sit down and just it's a practice that I just like writing I'm sure I've heard a lot of authors talk about like they just they make themselves you know from whatever time to whatever time Mm -hmm. every day or every other day like Mm -hmm. just write get something down get a number of words down so I think the same can be said right of, of songwriting it's like can I just sit down and just like whatever comes up just fiddle around on my guitar play some notes strum some chords hum a little and just see what happens and like maybe I'll be luckier the more times I do that right right (laughs) Um, right that's the idea of just sort of like I'm more in the in the zone um but I also don't like to push it so Mm -hmm. I'm not always the most consistent around a songwriting practice (laughs) oh yeah I was curious I, I was kind of curious like what that sort of like I don't know um you know, practical process, right? Because yeah, I mean, if I sat around, if I, if I would hung around waiting for the muse to strike, like I would never write a word, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. you know, so I do, it's like ass and seat 7am and I'm scheduled for mm-hmm. this long, you know, and this is what yeah. I'm going to, and this is what I'm going to work on. And, you know, um, and there are some, there are, I mean, there are authors that are way better than me. I have a friend, um, Isabelle Jolie, if anybody wants to know, she was on the podcast who, um, has a spreadsheet. And she has her word count for the day. Like she has a daily word count. She has a spreadsheet and she sticks with it. And, you know, and she is way more prolific than I am because she really sort of tackles her writing career from like a project manager standpoint. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I was kind of curious, 
um, you know, I, I kind of fall, I guess, in between the waiting for the muse to strike and the project manager. I'm like, you know, I'm kind of like probably dead in the middle. So I was mm-hmm, kind of wondering mm-hmm. where it was for you. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And for me, what just came up as you were asking is I was relating to sort of how much of my day job songwriting is. And for me right now, it's like zero. I mean, it's not, it's not like a moneymaker for me. So it's not like how, you know, if I'm not prolific, it's not going to matter that much. Um, so I sort of have the luxury of treating it more like, um, this beautiful, I don't even want to say hobby because I feel like that, like, I don't know, downplays the value that it brings to me and hopefully others who hear it. But I think I'm able to just take my time a little bit more and sort of, yeah, like sometimes just kind of wait. But I also feel like the more often I put myself in the seat, you know, like come into my where I am now, which is like my uh, my home office music room um, and just pick up my guitar and flip through my songwriting journal and see some snippets of songs that I wrote, listen to some voice memos. Like I'm much more likely to work on something right. and feel really good about that. And that just right. serves me well in terms of my confidence as a songwriter. That helps me not feel like such an imposter because I am doing it in more of a practice, like in more of a, a steady, consistent uh, right. state. And and I think that can really um, be a, I don't know, um, it can build on itself. And so I think maybe I write, tend to write better songs when I'm writing more. Um, mm. But I can see how for some people that it, be, it it is your livelihood that, I mean, that's the hard part. That's what I've heard from people that have done music as like have gone to school for music, like music performance or whatever, is it's almost like drummed out of them, the enjoyment of it, the the vitality of it, you know? So I never want to lose that by being so regimented, but I also think there's something to be said about using both sides of your brain and like, you know, having the, the sort of the business and the, the artist part of you, um, coming together. I think both are, both are needed. If you're really going to do something with, I, what I see as our gifts, right? Like if we want to do something with them and have like a product, eventually we're going to have to have some sort of a consistent practice of something for sure. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, because you sort of mentioned it before, I'm going to ask you then, like, you know, we're sort of talking about, you know, this is, a good a good book a good song like to you what makes an intimate or a love song good Hmm. I I think that um yeah I thought I thought about this independently and then and then I um you know especially in relation to what we are going to be talking about yeah I wanted to give it some thought again and I I think for me what what makes a, a good love song or heartbreak song, you know, just really like stand, the, I don't know, stand the test of time. That's like a cheesy statement, but like, um, you know, have the, have the movement um, internally, like in my spirit, like where like, mm. oh, like I'm like compelled to, like what I'm doing is when I'm, I'm identifying this as like a good song is I'm compelled to feel something like I can't I don't have any choice but to feel something because it like just draws it out of me you know this this is experience to listening so I think what that is is a common like the common humanity experiences of of identifying what it feels like to be in love or what it feels like to get your heart broken it's like Mm -hmm. someone painting 
a metaphor of like um like in um now Etta James didn't write at last but she it was written by Mark Gordon and Harry Warren I had to look that up because it was thinking about one of my better the one of the best um love songs that uh, just like a classic love song right yeah but there she has the line at last the skies above are blue like at last at last like and that's just like yeah when you're in love like when you're in love the skies open up and they're blue all the time and then when you're and then when your heart is broken you're pissed off at the people who are singing about how the skies are blue and you're like glaring at the couples walking around together holding their holding hands because on where you're standing the like Eeyore dark cloud is like pouring down on you of like rain and sadness. And that's how it feels to be out of love. Right. It feels lonely and, and cold and dark and gray and heavy. And so it's like our whole experience of life changes when we're in or out of love. And so songs that can evoke that, like um, they can paint a picture through mm-hmm. words and melody of what it feels like to embody that experience. Those are songs that I just really like um, that I go back to. And and everyone has a style of like what type of, you know, song they like listening to. For me, I was raised on, well, I raised myself on the, the Lilith Fair generation of like singer songwriters, right? Yes. So like my bread and butter was like Jewel and, and Sarah McLaughlin and Indigo Girls. And so, and they were be, and still are beautiful lyricists and oh just my God, with, yes. with the melodies and yeah. just and they're so authentic and mm. heart bearing and so that's another one for me um or Tori and, Amos I think is yeah one Tori of the Amos and, and even like you know writers oh my gosh songwriters just, out there yeah yeah oh yeah kind of fairy tale with you like hi, oh my gosh her just it she just paints a beautiful picture but honestly so does Taylor Swift I think she is one of like the most like prolific mm. you know beautiful songwriters um she and in terms of thinking about what makes a good song or what makes a good like love or heartbreak song again I feel like sometimes it's that use of metaphor or using words in a way to like to compare this to a, a, a similar experience that people can like relate to so she talks about like in her song clean um it's about well it's like a double metaphor because it's like um I now that I've like withstood the um the flood of like the like the you drowning me in all of these like horrible emotions of pain and loss and whatever but like I had to I had to have all that had to happen in order for me to feel like washed clean right like I had to like feel it all but also she's just a metaphor of being clean like from an addiction so she taught in the song she sings about being like 10 months sober like from this person and if we think again about the neurobiology of all this stuff, like that is also what it feels like when you are heartbroken, when you are get broken up with, when you it was like unrequited love. It's like trying to withdraw from an from an addiction, and yeah. so and like really yeah. like like neurochemically that's similar, right? So it's like we still we have that longing and that yearning and. And we just want to try to like behave and not pick up the phone and call that person yes. or like internet stalk them, but like we can't help it. <laughs> yeah, but like, that's like because so our brain still needs that hit, right? <laughs> our brain is still great. So being clean, being sober from that person is really hard to do. And it, but it's like once you can get through that, then it's like it, 
then it feels like you feel like back in the land of the living again. But she has a line that says, just because you're clean don't mean you don't miss it. Mm. You know, like, oh, it's just beautiful. So anything like that where I'm like, oh, God, I know that feeling, right? I know that feeling. Um, Even if I've never – you know, this is like, I've never been an addict, but I've been like a love addict. Like I've had my heart broken and like, you know, I've watched someone like literally stomp on it. Right. And I've just been like, Oh my God, I can't, I can't go on. I can't go on. It feels that, um, powerful. And so mm-hmm. any, and, and that's how it is for everybody. Like every, yeah. you know, if you've been through that in your life, like it's the same type of thing that happens to everybody. And so can you, in an inventive, non-trite way, like describe that experience so that you can get the listener like to go, yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. This is so cool. It's I, I've had um, my last book, um, Fade Into You. I think it was Fade that I did this. I had the character was sort of talking about my my main female character was talking about um, how the person that she was with no maybe it was maybe it was love song maybe it was love song <laughs> the the man you know that she was falling for sort of turned her life from sepia tone to technic to technicolor oh my gosh totally totally you know? and that sort of is exactly what you're describing oh and that's a beautiful way see that's a beautiful way to play with words because everyone knows what the, especially those of us, I was just thinking literally like Wizard of Oz, like that's yeah. what happens in Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah, it's it is exactly tone, what happens right? in Wizard of Oz, in, yeah. in Kansas. And then, yeah, she lands in Oz yeah. and it's Technicolor. Yeah. And that's like, that's the aliveness that somebody right. feels when they find this person, right? Who, yes, it's like their whole world goes from feeling gray to feeling bright colored. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, how do we in words paint that picture yeah, how do you describe that and you're so good at it and we'll we'll see when we get into your mm. steamy lyrics I guess <laughs> as steamy as I've ever written right I, I'm not like a, yeah I definitely don't write like Taylor Swift where she was like you know our clothes were on the floor and this and this I'm like no I don't quite write that suggestively but it's more like it's more intimately like you know yes. I I it's like the intimacy of hopefully that comes through in, in, you know, the, the songs that I write. And in this one that I think you're, that I sent to you as like an example of maybe someone, a one we could talk about is, um, is just like you hopefully can be able to feel the intimate nature of this person's relationship. Right. And mm-hmm. compare it to your own of like what that had, has felt like in your life. Um, right. So, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, the reverse is again true. It's like the the vibrancy of um, the love and it being taken away again, feeling like sepia tone, but like almost like like burning sepia tone. Like it's pain. It's so painful. Like mm, Sarah yeah. McLaughlin does a great job of that. She has this song called Stupid and um, she one lyric says, um, love has made me a fool set me on fire and watched as I floundered, unable Oof. to speak except to cry out and wait for your answer. But you come around in your time, speaking of fabulous places, create an oasis that dries up as soon as you're gone and you leave me here burning in this desert without you. Oh my And if we God. hear that as just outright lyrics, it can feel a little melodramatic. But the way then she does that with she her like amazing it. voice and the, yeah. this amazing melody and orchestration, 
is it's just done so right that it doesn't feel so on the nose and it doesn't feel too melodramatic. It feels like, ugh, gut-wrenching, but in a beautiful way. Well, here's a question because, you know, most romance readers, um, most romance, all romance readers get very angry Mm. if they don't have a happily ever after, right? Because, you know, now we have, you know, in the love song, we, we, they come together and maybe they're fighting it and maybe they're not, but then at some point there's going to be a breakup and a makeup and then maybe another breakup again. And then they're going to, but it's always going to work out at the end. Right. Mm -hmm. So is a heartbreak song, a love song? I think I'm going to shut up about what I think. I want to know what you think. (laughs) Well, I don't think always. I mean, I think it's, I think it's like a tribute to love song or like Mm -hmm. a, like a fuck you love song like I mean like I mean it's always something related to love so I do I mean it's a flavor of love it's love lost you know so but for me I think um I'm like I'm trying to think of like the the songs I've written over time because I wrote a lot of like love and heartbreak songs like earlier like when I was you know, in my early 20s, like mm-hmm. before I, you know, late teens, early 20s, before I had met my husband and sort of like, we, I mean, we met in college. So um, I had had some relationships and definite heartbreaks before him. But, um, you know, love, long lasting, secure love is not always the most exciting fodder for songs. Um, uh, nor which, books. I'm working on that. But, yeah. <laughs> but actually, and I want to come back to that later, because actually, there are some songs um, that I really think do a beautiful job of celebrating secure last love um, and that it can be something that also can feel very moving. So anyway, Mm -hmm. um, but um, point being that the songs that I wrote back then, some were just sad and some didn't have a a happily ever after. I mean, that they were, were, it was sort of like a like a grieving type of a song, right? But it helped, it's like the happily ever after was sort of like in the movement of being able to like sing and write a song like that, it it didn't know it then, but it helped me get to my happily ever after, right? See, um, that's yes, and that's where I fall on the. I think a I think a heartbreak, even a heartbreak song, is a love song because mm-hmm. you're sort of paying tribute to a love that maybe you've lost, mm-hmm. but it's part of the sort of larger journey along yeah. the way, right? Yeah, that sort of like God bless the broken roads feel, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, I, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, because if you hadn't had that heartbreak experience, you wouldn't be able to appreciate the mm-hmm. sort of person that comes into your life um, that mends the heart, right? Yeah, that's so true. It's so true. And and to be able to know that like um, – the difference of how different it feels than to fall so deeply for someone and to not have it hurt, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and to know that it can hurt and to know that that's not the end of the story because it shouldn't, it shouldn't hurt. Like it should, like if it's really, if it's really something that's meant to last, like, yeah, you're going to have struggles and hard times, but, but it, (laughs) shouldn't be that hard (laughs) like my husband and I (laughs) joked about that is like I had a long distance relationship with um with with a boyfriend who like it just was really hard because it wasn't that we we weren't right for each other at that time in our lives and like there was trust issues and jealousy and blah 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 and then my husband and I did long distance for like almost a couple years and it like just the juxtaposition of that it was so easy yeah it sucked because we didn't see each other that often but like it wasn't it didn't hurt 
Mm. I missed him, but it didn't hurt. So I think it's just also, you know, you then through your own experiences with heartache, you can, you have that to, to look back on. And, and for me, I always, like my husband, <laughs> he's, he's accepted this about me, but I have always tried to keep like some semblance of a relationship with exes because I do like that's <laughs> not in the inappropriate sense, but just in the sense of like this person meant so yeah. much to me. Yeah, I understand. And like that. I, I like it's there's something holy about that that like not a lot of people like rose to the level of importance in my life that yeah. those people did. And so there just feels like something very strange about just going like close the book. You're done. Bye. Like, I don't know. I'm scorched earth. So I am total scorched earth. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's because I can song right through the scorched earth stuff. Like I think, I mean, that's really the song ghost town that, that like we'll, we'll talk about a little bit. Like that's, that's the scorched earth kind of feeling of like, Oh my God, like it's just so painful. Um, and yet like I can now like be thankful being able to feel so deeply that it was so hard and that it, mm. I, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I just have, uh, and maybe it's also the relationship therapist in me that like always wants to stay connected and, and like, you know, where I get, yes, my, but my husband's the opposite way. My husband's like you, right? Like, no, like that's absurd. Like to, to tell you how, to just give you an example of this, like bless his heart, like for our 10 year anniversary, um, we went back to Napa where we had gone on our honeymoon. And one of my exes um, is a winemaker at a winery out there. And so we went to his winery and like, and I was just chatting with him and he gave us a bottle and like, it was lovely. And I kept checking in with Ed and we talked about it beforehand. And then we like debriefed after and it was, and it was lovely and fine. And I just thought it was just so like, beautiful that that can happen yeah and it's just like look where your life is and look where my life is and it's all good and I'm so happy for you and like it's just isn't life crazy and like I mean Ed just goes along with the crazy artist that I am and that like some I just have I just move to do things like that and he's like okay that's fine and he's such a sweetheart so (laughs) I just yeah that's how I roll He's so, also a hottie. He's showing oh, up in some Zooms and he so is gorgeous. Cute. Oh, he's so cute. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote him a song. Like, actually, that's one of the secure love song things that I've, I've oh. written about, actually, on Shine. Um, what is that song called? I can't even. Um, the love that, I don't know. I can't think. I'll think of it later. But um, the, love, the love I found. The love I found. Because mm. um, it really talks about how I was. Whew, just really jaded at when he and I met. And um, I had come off just like the one of the biggest heartbreaks of my life. And I was just, of course, they always say, right, it's when you're not looking, but like then this person walks into your life. Um, and I was just like, oh, no, I, I, it was like my senior year of college. I didn't want to start anything significant with somebody, but um, I just found I found this love with him and it started, I said, the first line is, um, it was a slow burn when you Mm. lit this heart, right? (gasps) Who Um, doesn't love a slow burn? uh, There are some that don't. I don't understand that. Some that don't, but I I loved the Casey Musgrave song, slow burn. Like I was just (laughs) like, yeah, I'm all right with the slow burn. Like I, I am because you know what? Like I needed to take it slow and like Mm. he was so patient with that and like it was so worthwhile and then he was also really patient while I like just 
was the crazy melodramatic artist temperament that I am and like had all this drama just internally through, you know, over our relationship and just always like that love was still waiting for me. That was love was always there for me to find over and over and mm. over again. And that's the security of this long term romantic love. And I just wish yeah. like I, I'm becoming emotional as I say that because I wish that for everybody. And oh. sometimes my clients will ask me, like, how can you do this work? Like, how can you work with all these couples like us who are having such a hard, hard time? And I just say, I believe in love and I believe mm. that you deserve it. You really deserve it. And I believe you can get there. Right. If you both are willing and you and, and there is love, like then we can we can help you figure out why you do these things, right? You do these tendencies and you have these negative patterns and you get in this cycle with your partner. Like we can figure it out, but like mm -hmm. just hang in there because it's so worth the kind of like just wiser, kinder, yeah. stronger love you get to have a part of when you're, when you're in, um, yeah, when you're in this long-term love. And I think the Indigo Girls and their song Power of Two do such a beautiful job with with um, crystallizing the feeling of like, we're okay, we're fine. Like I I can chase away the ghosts. I can, you know, scare up those monsters under your bed. Like don't worry about those shiny trinkets of temptation. It's just all fool's gold. Like we've got the real gold. Like we've got the love that lasts. So, ooh, I like, what you What a know. gorgeous song. Ew, yeah. 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 It's so funny that you mentioned that with that sort of like, I always think of my husband as sort of like, he, he kind of tamed the tempest in me, you know, like it was like. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. You know, my husband's so grounding. Yeah. 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 Like I was the swirling storm and he came mm -hmm. in as sort of like, you know, the calm, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, it's so funny because, okay, I'm going to, because there were some questions that came up for me when I was going through your, your lyrics with Ghost Town. And I'm really hoping that I can figure out how to insert the song instead of me reading. Even yes, I and I am not vocally warmed up. So please, like, if anyone, like, is interested to hear the song, I don't want to turn them off to it by <laughs> trying to reproduce it in live right now. Because it is so, a yes. gorgeous, gorgeous song. I'm sure I will figure it out. Um, <laughs> but, um, but like, just in case something goes wrong, I am going to be reading the lyrics from Ghost Town. And this is a gorgeous song, and it is beautiful mm. lyrics, and it's beautiful with the music and the, you know, like it, it, I feel like it needs the full, um, the full treatment. Mm. Um, but so I just want you to sort of, um, set it, I, I guess, cause I have the authors set up the books, you yeah. know, be, oh, I'd love cause to obviously, set it up. Yeah. you know, I don't really know if you can sort of set up a song, but let's try. Totally. Oh, you <laughs> totally can. And I love, if you've ever heard that, um, it's an, it's a podcast called song exploder. Um, oh, you should totally no. check it out because it it does that. It like goes inside the song and it talks about everything from, I mean, arrangement and why you made certain musical choices in the song, but also just the story of the song, what the song's really about. And that's the stuff as a as a songwriter first, as a lyricist first, and as a, as a relationship therapist also. I love hearing the story, you know. Right. Um, so so yeah, for for Ghost Town. I still remember when the melody and the, those words came to me, they were, well, I, I half remember. I'm trying to think which child I had in a baby Bjorn, but one of the two <laughs> there, girls. There was a child in a baby there Bjorn. There was a child in a baby Bjorn. Um, I think it was, I had both of them maybe, and one was walking with me. We were walking in some sort of wooded area, this beautiful, like, I don't know, Metro Park or something. And um, it was reminiscent of this, um, place that I had spent time in um, growing up, this camp, the summer camp um, that 
just, you know, those, the same type of trees, the same type of paths, like whatever. And I had this just awareness that it felt like a ghost town version of that, you Mm. know, like, like, it's like, I'm walking through this same experience, but I can't, but it's not the same experience. And like, you know, having been back to that camp, um, since like after that summer romance ended, um, it's, it also had that effect. And so the beginning of the song is like, I know this place, like the back of my hand, um, you know, it's mapped in my mind because I like know how we were in this place and we were here and we were here and we kissed here and we did this here and you know, all the things. And now it's like, I see, you know, I don't know on the, (laughs) I'm going to Disney soon. So I have this sort of like random image just popped up of the haunted mansion when they have the room that you go past where all the ghosts are dancing Yeah, that in that, like, (laughs) and that's like what I like vision is like, like he and I like, like, you know, running into the woods. It's like, I saw that happening as if we were like, like the ghosts of us doing that. It was like right? a specter of this, yeah. of this thing that happened or right, this, yeah. Right. Um, and so just the imagery of just also the idea of what a, what a ghost town is, is like mm. those towns that would be kind of set up and then abandoned where yeah. people would like go, I don't know, the great, you know, Western migration of like the, what is the gold diggers or any, all, mm. any of that, right. Where they set up shop and then they kind of just left. It's like, you came in as fast as you, you left as fast as you came in like to my heart. It's like you set up shop in my heart. And then it's like, as quick as you did that, you were gone. And you just left me with all these like relics with all these just memories. And it just feels like now there's just cobwebs over it and I'm walking around it and I'm feeling the feelings coming back, but also with this sort of like edge to it, the sadness, this maybe even bitterness, this like longing, yearning, all those things. Okay. My God, I don't know where to begin because there are so many questions that are like that you've just like exploded in my mind, and I'm like, but we're talking about that, and we're talking about that. So <laughs> I'll just go in the order of the song. Um, um, so I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna read this out, but um, hopefully I'll be able to insert the music. Um, I know this place like the back of my hand. I have it mapped out in my mind. It's been a decade, maybe more like a dozen years, but when I'm here, I'm back in time. You were like a siren song that called me to your shore. My ship was bound by your gravity. And even though you called for someone else instead, I still held on to hope that you'd, cho- you'd choose me. Oh. So here's my question, okay? Or mm. sort of like, you know, sort of thinking about this. Um, songwriting seems to come from such a deeply, deeply personal place. Like it's always feels so autobiographical, mm. but novelists kind of, we're like, oh, at the idea. If somebody says, oh, is your work autobiographical? We're like, oh, God, no. You know, <laughs> you know. and I, I definitely hope like Stephen King isn't out there dressing up as Pennywise terrorizing. Right. Yeah, that's you know? always the disturbing part is like, how do people get these thoughts? Like, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, it is so, and you know, and I, I think, I think to some extent novelists lie, you know, I do think we base uh, right, things right. on uh, events that have happened to our lives or I would say maybe, maybe more broadly broadly for me, it's like sort of journeys. It's really interesting. Every time I write a book, I go, oh my God, that's how I felt in my forties or, oh my God, that's how I felt in my teens or, you know, and so I think that my characters are sort of mapping out similar um, Mm -hmm. milestone Mm -hmm. feelings, I Mm -hmm. guess. Mm -hmm. But to write from such a personal place, to lay it so bare, because you had said that there was one particular person that you're writing about Mm -hmm. here, right? Mm -hmm. 
How do you do that? Because honestly, I think that's the struggle with writing intimate moments because so much of intimacy, the, the love scenes that I'm writing are really writing from a deeply personal, emotional place. Yeah. And that's hard. It is hard. Well, and I'm extremely protective of it and I'm yes. obnoxious about it. And so I don't even like my family being in the other room when I'm like in songwriting mode. I don't like my husband like hearing anything I've written, especially if I'm like writing about another like lover or like oh. someone else. Right? Awkward. Like, yeah. awkward. like, oh, so that's who you were thinking about all afternoon in your like songwriting session. Like it's yeah. There's, you know, that can be that can be a conversation. Um so that is, it's like a very weird occupational hazard of like songwriting in that way if you're going to write from personal experience. And so actually it was also, I heard Taylor Swift talk about, I wish I had just heard her in like, you know, if she and I are friends and I'm like, yeah, I heard her talking. When so we were Tay Tay and I were talking the other day. But it did not end up like that. No, it was from an interview or something where she was saying now in like her two newest albums, she's explored writing as different characters so actually not having experienced those same things and she what she wasn't sure how her audience how her fans her Swifties would take that because she's always like it's always been the big question is like who's this song about like who you know which famous person did she write this song about that she's dated and and so for her it like kind of was freeing I think to be able to create characters and it opened up her songwriting in a really unique way and so I'm kind of excited about that too like I haven't ever um, done that in that way because either I'm writing songs about firsthand experiences or I'm writing about more universal themes like like loving kindness and interconnectedness and nature and just sort of like more of the right. I don't know not religious but spiritual parts of the right. human experience um, mm-hmm. so yeah I don't know what was your question now <laughs> <laughs> how do you write from such a personal place and like oh right so yeah that's like that, yeah mm-hmm. like ooh. well I get very yeah I get very like Oof. in in internalizing about it I get very protective I get very quiet I get very um I get very embarrassed yeah and I and I, yeah. and I also like even <laughs> Well, I was very, I used to be very melodramatic about it. Like I remember in college, like after I'd recorded um, the album that I did during that time, I literally gave my um, ex the album. Because I was like, well, basically and ran away, basically. Like a mixtape. Like you you might as well know. Yeah, it was the mixtape that your ex has written about you. All the songs are are uniquely crafted about the shitty nature of how we ended and like um, how you made me feel, you horrible person. No, like scorched earth. Scorched earth. But but I tried to do that in a very like, but I just want you to know that like you meant that much to me that here are these songs about you. I have no idea what effect it had for him. He was probably mortified. I don't know. Um, But for me, it was this very like, again, just very, oh, um, soulful, dramatic thing that I could Mm. do. And, but it felt very organic. And so I don't know, like, there, you know, the, the person that I wrote Ghost Town about, like, we we haven't had that type of exchange ever about, like, um, you know, him knowing that, I, that I'm writing songs about him, even, like, 20 years after, <laughs> um, or I guess when I wrote that song, it was, like, a decade after, right? It's been a decade, almost, you know, 12 years, but there are those relationships that are just, they affect you in the way, that way, because they were so 
um, you know, you fell so head over heels or whatever it is, right? So I guess I just have tried to become accepting about what comes up in my songwriting process of like, oh, like, wow, he came up again around that. And like, let's just use that as my muse then. I joke that he's sort of my muse, right? Um, And not someone I'd want to get back in a relationship with, of course, but (laughs) someone who just like helps me write like I think some maybe beautiful songs, I hope. Um, oh, I and I shouldn't yeah. not write about that just because I feel awkward. I, so because I know also, again, I'm married to this like beautifully patient, understanding man who is not, you know, intimidated or thinks yeah. I'm going to, you know, leave him. And so he feels secure in our love. And so it also allows me to do that. Um, and so that's been, yeah, that's been something that has just been an interesting part of the journey of like, how is that look, how has that looked and how will it look? Because actually that the songs on the EP that I, the songs that I have been writing through pandemic have actually been more about my internal struggles, like more about mental health and about kind of the universal struggle of like loneliness and feeling disconnected from others. Um, you know, about just more, more about pain. Um, and, Mm. And that's also been a little hard to share in a different way with him. Yeah. Again, it's no surprise yeah. that that's the way I've been feeling. But, you know, I never want him to be like, oh, God, are you okay? Like in a, like a pity way, like just because I wrote a song like this. But if he doesn't say the right thing, then I actually take it very personally. Like, poor thing. Like he doesn't know what to say ever. <laughs> if I do play him a song because he's always like, can you just play me a song? Like, can you play? And I like no matter what he says in response, it's not the right thing. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> I just <laughs> – I I feel so bad for him because I can't help it because I'm such a critic of my own work that I want his feedback, but I also don't. Yeah. I'm I'm lucky. My husband won't read my romances. I mean, he read my urban fantasies, bless his heart. He was great, but he's just like, yeah, I draw the line. He won't read the romances. And on the one hand, I'm like really kind of, it makes me kind of sad because I, I want to share it with him, you know, but on the other hand, I'm like, He's not my target audience. This isn't right. for him. I'm not writing it for him. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, no, right. He, he shouldn't be reading these. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, I really wish he was reading it. You know, like, I'm just yeah, kind of no, like, you know? it, And I think that's what ultimately what made me decide to to start trying, trying to share my, my writing with him a little bit more is because, like, that helps me helps him feel closer to me mm, and yeah. helps he helps me trust him more with with all parts and sides of me. There's this beautiful song by Alanis Morissette called Everything. Oh gosh. And I, it's like, I kind of use it as the little like mascot for my love story with, with my husband, because it's like, you see everything, you see all my highs, all my lows, all my dark, you love me, you know, what, what I resist persists and you love me no matter what Uh, it just, oh my gosh, it's worth a listen. Um, even if you don't, aren't an Atlantis lover, this song is just gorgeous. And so I think that's another part of secure love is like, can this person, not that you, not that it's not okay to have anything be your own. Right. And, and, um, I also believe in autonomy, but, I really think that it's been a beautiful gift that um, I can give him Mm -hmm. to trust him with my songs a bit more than I used to, um, because that's a way that he can start to be led into a part of my world that I've been very protective of over time. Yeah, I kind of feel like, and this is like a fun idea, maybe for a conference, I don't know if I could do a podcast, I'd love to have the romance 
writer husbands or wives because oh there are men yeah. that write romance like or partners oh, i should yeah. say it's for sure in in at a panel and sort of saying hey like what is it to be on the other side of this <laughs> torturous i don't or even not, know what, or who know you know maybe, know, maybe you know yeah. like i right. don't know like what is it like to have a spouse that's writing such intimate moments and mm -hmm. you know do you know i mean i always get the my, my poor husband sometimes is with me where you know they hear what i do and they're like oh you must have a really interesting sex life wink wink right. nothing, and it's so inappropriate right. um, <laughs> <laughs> awkward yeah uh, but um that would be really interesting because yeah from like you said some some writers are not i mean they it's more like going to work it's your job yes. it's like you know i don't I go mean, to work with my husband that's right so it's yeah. like they can have their own experience and their own thing i don't need to know everything about that like but yeah if they want to tell me about it sure great like but yeah maybe i'm not their target demographic and i'm gonna understand all the ins and outs of that and so just like if my husband works in like i don't know the tech industry am i gonna like have that much interest in it like, you're not I gonna go programming with them yeah right like so but it's very different for me, this is very different because it's human emotions because yeah. it's, and that's, I mean, that's a part of a relationship. And so, but they're my emotions and they're my experiences, but then this is my, this is my long-term relationship. So yeah, it's this dance of like, how much do I share? And, and again, he's been just very um, respectful, very mm. respectful always. Um, and that allows me to feel even safer, right? Sharing the intimate parts of, um, you know, the, the songwriting, the songwriting journey. And I think, at, I think maybe more so than all of the content, I might just share a little bit more with him about my process, meaning like, yeah, I song wrote today for a couple hours, or yeah, I did this podcast with Elle and I was talking about songwriting and, <laughs> and, and I'll let him listen to this podcast. Right. right. Like, and, and, um, and so I think he gets windows into that. And I think that is kind of, the, you know, another chapter in our love story is like, again, how we let each other into our inner worlds. Right. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read. Um, I think, I think we're in chorus now. Okay. okay. Got it. Yeah. But it's like a ghost town in this place. And in my heart, you cleared out as fast as you came in. I walk past our relics all around me and I sigh as you hold me captive once again. Oh. oh. Okay. Songwriting is so much about metaphor, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I definitely try and weave things into my writing with varying degrees of success. I had one that I posted on Facebook yesterday with the wrong user. Um, but, <laughs> but I was quite proud of um, as I go through my edits. But it's that. hard, and it's especially hard to find an original metaphor, right? Like, yes. and I feel like this song is obviously littered with it because that's really songs speak in metaphors, and they're all so original. And mm -hmm. how do you do? How do you do that? <laughs> Tell me how you do that. Give oh. me your secrets. <laughs> well, I think I can hear when it's bad. I hope. Right. Meaning, like when it comes out and sometimes it just needs to come out like I know um Ed Sheeran again I know Ed Sheeran no, no, <laughs> my <I don't>. friend Ed <laughs> I know comma Ed Sheeran works, <laughs> where like writes where, talks about writing songwriting as like he just writes all the things like even he writes bad songs he has to write a bunch of bad songs to get to a good song and oh. so I might have to write a it cuts like a knife lyric <laughs> to like but know, it feels so right <laughs> right to like get to, <laughs> to get to like a slightly um 
highbrow metaphor that hasn't been used over and over and over again, so it means nothing. But sometimes you'll still hear that in a song, and it like won't be the worst thing, or you'll right. hear a, a part of that overused metaphor. And so I think it really is. That's the cool thing about melody and arrangement is that like if it were just a lyric and you're like it cuts like a knife and then like it'd be like oh this is bad but you know if you can use your voice or use you know phrasing or um pitch differences to create again sort of this painting this like mm. audiovisual painting Ooh, of that experience um, then maybe the cutting of the knife is you're feeling it on your skin and the cold blade of this or that, or, you know, um, are there ways to nuance even like, you know, a hackneyed metaphor? So I think mm. I definitely try to, I, I actually really like some country music because it turns the, like normal phrases on their head and uses them in really clever ways, even if the song ends up is sort of like cheesy or like too honky tonk or like that like slide guitar thing that if you have a little too much of, it's like, oh my gosh. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but I actually really respect like so many amazing singer songwriters like flock to Nashville because yeah. like so much songwriting is done there. And so it's all about lyrics and wordplay. Yeah. And so the wordplay aspect of it, that's where I think I just – I'm always trying to listen to those stations, to those types of songs so that I can hear what they do with words and phrases so that I can uh, like, like Miranda Lambert, like her, she has a song called like, it'll all, it'll all come out in the wash. Mm -hmm. Like, so you've heard that before, right? As in the way she does it in her song, like, you know, like, oh, you did, you, you, you did this kind of um, embarrassing thing. You did this or that you brought your you know, you brought your, I don't know, who is it? Your, bro your fiance's brother to some wet, I don't know. I can't remember the lyrics. Um, but basically like, don't worry. Don't worry if you did awful, embarrassing um, things. It'll all come out in the wash. A tide stick will get it. Like that's just like that funny <laughs> little like, oh, interesting, like cute. Um, and there's some cute things that that also if they're done, with the right like musical stylings, vocal stylings, like they you, you can really get with that. So and and it's also a taste thing, you know. Some right. I, I think that's just like anything. Like not everybody is a romance novel person. Not everybody is a is a female, you know, modern country song person. Not and so I think that a certain metaphor in a certain style of song works and works for that target audience, whereas it does not translate well for a different type of audience, right? Right. Well, okay, here's my question. Do you, you had mentioned sort of like writing cheesy lyrics and you're like, oh God, okay. Do you end up throwing, do you just throw away the whole song or do you sit with the song and like rewrite it and rework it? Well, there, I usually, I try not to throw anything away. If I'm really mad at it, I'll cross it out, but it stays in my journal. <laughs> yeah, I'll just be like, ugh, this is unredeemable. Like, but I still let it stay. I don't do the whole like crunch the paper and throw it away thing um, because I still think like, well, that was what came out of me organically in that moment. And I'll, I'll just have phrases that I would love to use, but I haven't found the song that they can they can survive in, right? So it's okay. like um, we were there was one um, 
we were like like a deck something about like we were like a deck of cards that couldn't cut it or something and it sounds so dumb I actually love that but that's kind of like cool it's like what it's like I'm almost there sometimes I'll feel like I'm almost there but I can't quite get there or I'll come back. And that's when I'll flip through my journal. And that's when maybe I'll do sort of like a songwriting session with myself where I'll just do a retrospective of like, yeah, what about this phrase? And can I come back to that? And what if I played with that over here? What if I tried that with this chord pattern? What if I tried that with this melody? What if I tried to expand on that metaphor? So that's where the playfulness comes in and the sort of like don't take yourself too seriously thing, which I have a hard time doing. For such Mm -hmm. a long time, I took myself so goddamn seriously and like my, my art so seriously. And I think that like, you know, it was just, too much, too much. I think as the older I get, I have just, I just need to relieve some of that pressure that I put on myself. So just, just write a bad lyric of just write what comes out and then you can fix it. You can always fix it in editing, right? Right, right. It'll fix it. It'll work itself out in editing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. One last little bit or a longer, longer bit. I was worth a try. No, sorry. Fix that. Wait, back up. Uh, we it, can fix it in it editing. Worth it's worth fine. a try. We'll fix that in editing. It was worth a try to see if I could be in this space without you. How did I do? Did I pull through? Well, I'm standing here now under skies so blue. Now it's like a ghost town, only if I make it so. I choose what it all means to me, and I can either pine for you or just enjoy the view and create new memories and create new memories, and I can learn to love again. See, the blue sky came in at the end, right? I know. And see, I what I really loved about this is like you took us through the whole journey mm-hmm. in like what, three minutes? It's just mm-hmm. one song, right? We had the we had the opening, we had the beginning, we had the middle, the end, we had that sort of dramatic, you know, the climax. Mm-hmm. We had all of that going on in like three minutes. And like I can't even write a novella and feel like I told the entire story. <laughs> like I'm like, well, and- give me more words. <laughs> right. And I'm just like well, I'm a very wordy like, lyricist. I've heard like the it's funny my oh. collaborator, like he'll always tell that to me. He's like, "Can you say that but with less words?" And I'm like, "You know what? Jewel's a very wordy lyricist, okay?" So like that's all uh, the style that I write in. But I do. I I try to like take his feedback. But yeah, I think that's the challenge sometimes, but then the beautiful thing is like, "Ooh, where does that turn go? Where does that like that in the bridge of a song, if you're thinking about song structure, the bridge of a song is melodically where it changes for the listener because you've got like um, uh, verse, chorus, verse, ver- verse, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, um, bridge, and bridge feels mm. different. And the listener needs it to feel different by then, right? Um, they need to be surprised a bit. And that's also when sort of this epiphany in the song or a turn, like, um, and sort of this, like, da, 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 did I pull through? Like, what will happen? What right. will, the, you know, how will this conclude for, for this person, this character, uh, me and the story, right? Well, I realized it was only a ghost town if I made it. So I, in that for me, I brought some of my therapy work professionally and personally to be honest like into that in the style of like there's there's a therapy called narrative therapy where you are the hero of your own story and you can either write it like you're the victim of your story you can write it like the hero of your story and so I was really in a you know not I don't know if a victim place writing as sort of the beginning of the song right gosh it's 
this ghost right. town and it's like it, it holds me captive right so really it's it's that right. imagery a bit of a victim imagery and then it's like but I get to choose I can shift the narrative I get to choose what it means for me what meaning I make of it and I can choose to be able to um not like pine for you but to just like when I'm here in this place enjoy the view and to be honest that started out as um enjoy the pines instead of pine for you enjoy the pines and then I was like "Ooh, that's a little too on the nose that's that's not gonna that's not gonna work so that was me being almost there but then I just changed it to enjoy the view um because that's such a also phrase that we hear a lot of the time yeah just enjoy the view but that's where I mean because you actually in this song you were in a in a this place and I realized, I mean, legitimately, I had that experience of going again back to this camp, back to this place with my family. I brought my husband to this place. I brought my girls to this place on like this family weekend. And it took on a new meaning. And that was the love that I was able to find. Like, and and I'll always have those memories. I'll always see, right, the little, the, the dancing ghosts in the, in, the, in the trees, right, of like that yeah. that love. But it's it actually was able to um, house brand new memories now, which is a beautiful thing. Wow. Oh my God. This is beautiful. Katie, thank you so much for doing thank this. Thank you, Al. This is wonderful. Thanks so much for, for thinking of me and just for, for letting me have the time to talk about something that I like am in love with, which is music <laughs> and songwriting and lyrics and just like the emotional experience of it all. So thank you. Oh, and you actually inspired a, what is probably going to be a second chance romance with just something that you said oh. um, for my series. Ooh, so um, God, I when I finally it. figure out what that's going to be, that book is going to be dedicated to you. Oh my gosh, so, I'm so honored. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> So um, what's coming up? What do you have coming up next? Thriftwood? Yeah, yeah. My EP, um, which an EP for, for those of you who are like romance novel people, and that's why you're listening, um, you're like, what is that? Um, it's called Extended Play versus Long Play. An LP is what we think of as an album, which like is typically 10 to 12 full songs. Full length, right. Yeah. An EP is just a mini album. So um, I'm hoping for six songs. Walden, the first single off of that, um, has already been released. So that's on all streaming platforms. You can listen to it. And if you go to katieoberly.com or if you go to Katie Oberly on YouTube, you can see I did a, a little music video for, for Walden as well, which is kind of fun. And so the the songs that that I'll have on there in addition are ones that I'm like currently recording which is really exciting and and working on the arrangements I'm what they call a top line songwriter so I just have the melody and a basic guitar part and then I work with a wonderful wonderful musician and collaborator um, to create things like the ghost town arrangement that are like you know a guitar part that I could never do and like this cool effects on guitar and stuff that it just helps bring the song to a new level um and I'm really excited about that opportunity so um again I think the next step is um weaving in my background as a therapist and as a songwriter to to merge merge the two a little bit more so you'll see me in the future doing workshops on 
creativity and like the therapeutic benefits of that, you know, how creativity can be mindful, how it can be a spiritual practice, how it can help us care for ourselves, can, can be healing, it can um, help with our coping. Yeah. So, yeah. I love this. I think we're going to have to collaborate on something that in that way too. Mm. And I don't know if we've talked about this before. So maybe this is an off line conversation different offline conversation that I would love to sort of get into with that you. sounds great oh I would love that doing. future collaborations sound delightful oh thank you where can listeners find you on the internet yeah so um right now katieoberly.com is my website it's getting a redesign so if it looks like a page under construction um make sure to just join my email <laughs> list that would be great then you can have all the updates but I'm on Instagram as Katie Oberly. um uh, again Katie with a Y um O-B-E-R-L-E and I'm on Facebook um as Katie Oberly Creative and um, you can, yeah, all of my songs. So shine, which uh, ghost town is on, is on all streaming platforms. And then, um, that's where the EP will be hopefully in the spring. I will include some links in the show notes so that, um, it's easy for everybody to just click a link and find you. Katie, thank you so much for doing this. It was so awesome to have you. Thank you, Elle. How awesome is Katie? Her gorgeous new EP Driftwood drops this summer. So be sure to follow her and me on Instagram to stay on top of the release. My Insta is Grecolina Writes, so be sure to follow me there. Next time, author Julie Hamilton joins me to talk about her debut novel, Just for Show, and what it was like to pop her naughty bit writing cherry, which is a bit of a mouthful, <laughs> and not the fun kind. Oh, um, be sure to like and subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Or visit steamscenespod.com where you can sign up to get email alerts when new episodes drop. Thanks so much for listening. I'm El Greco. Have a steamy week.